This week in the news, an odd survey asking which celebrity would be the ideal person to handle an alien invasion found iconic actor Arnold Schwarzenegger taking the top spot. The weird poll, reportedly conducted by the British TV station Blaze as part of their forthcoming UFO week, asked 2,000 residents of the country which star they felt would be the most equipped to deal with the arrival of the hostile ETs here on Earth. Perhaps in light of his dual status as both action hero and politician, the Terminator star came in first place, followed by Will Smith, who famously fended off fictional invading aliens in the film Independence Day. In response to his first place showing, Schwarzenegger took to Twitter and declared, I want to thank the people for putting their faith in me. I am ready to serve. In other news, a mysterious new image transmitted by NASA's Mars rover, Curiosity, has ET watchers all riled up. A recent screen capture shows what appears to be a woman partly cloaked standing on the surface of Mars. Dubbed the Dark Lady, the image was transmitted to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, Laboratory in Pasadena, California, leading most to believe that the Dark Lady phenomenon is a form of pareidolia syndrome. It's a condition where the brain connects imagery from elusive forms and perceives them as easily identifiable objects. Seth Shostrak, chief astronomer at the Center for SETI Research, said that people often perceive objects and beings that frequently resemble something you wouldn't expect to find on the rusty, dusty surface of the red planet. It's usually some sort of animal, and occasionally even weirder objects such as automobile parts. The Periodolia Syndrome actually dates back to the ancients who perceived shifting shapes and clouds believing them to be gods. That's it for the news, now time for the fun fact of the week. Project Iceworm was a top-secret United States Army program of the Cold War, which aimed to build a network of mobile nuclear missile launch sites under the Greenland Ice Sheet. The ultimate objective of placing medium-range missiles under the ice, which were close enough to strike tar targets within the Soviet Union, was kept secret from the government of Denmark. To study the feasibility of working under the ice, a highly publicized cover project, known as Camp Century, was launched in 1960. But unstable ice conditions within the ice sheet caused the Camp Century project to be canceled in 1966. According to the documents published by the Kingdom of Denmark in 1997, the United States Army's Ice Worm Missile Network was outlined in a 1960 Army report titled Strategic Value of the Greenland Ice Cap. If fully implemented, the project would cover an area of 52,000 square miles, roughly three times the size of Denmark. The launch complex floors would be 28 feet below the surface with the missile launchers even deeper, and clusters of missile launch centers would be spaced 4 miles apart. New tunnels were, dug, were to be dug every year so that after 5 years there would be thousands of firing positions among which the several hundred missiles could be rotated. The Army intended to deploy a shortened two-stage version of the United States Air Force's Minuteman missile, a variant the Army proposed calling the Iceman. So the United States actually attempted to dig massive tunnels that contained nuclear missiles into Greenland's ice sheet and tried to keep it secret from the local government. Interesting. Welcome to In Tyler We Trust. I'm your host, Mr. Tyler. Cue the intro music.
On December 7, 2016, ex-astronaut Buzz Aldrin was evacuated from the South Pole due to health concerns, but before he left he tweeted a photo of what seemed to be a massive pyramid, ten times the size of the pyramids in Giza. Attached to the photo he tweeted, We are all in danger. It is evil itself. Shortly after his tweet, it was removed and Buzz went into seclusion. There are numerous reports of massive pyramids spotted on Google Earth that when found are quickly erased and covered with a blurred image. Just last month a Google Earth user spotted a unique disc-like object sticking out of the ice. And last year NASA noticed a giant hole in the ice, measuring 20,000 square miles, something that hasn't been seen since 1976. The hole eventually disappeared and NASA claims this is a natural phenomenon called Weddell Polynia. But Buzz Aldrin isn't the only well-known person to be invited to Antarctica on strange terms. U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry traveled to the South Pole which struck many as unusual. Why send America's top diplomat specialized in foreign relations to the farthest reaches of the earth where no one lives? To see ice? Others, such as Bill Clinton and Elon Musk, are two more people in power to be called to the South Pole for unexplained reasons. It's interesting how the satellite images of the South Pole, to include Antarctica, get updated every week. But the satellite images of, say, Missouri, get updated anywhere from every two to ten years. Is there something down there that they don't want us to know about? Here are just a few of the confirmed facts regarding Antarctica. In 2014, three elongated skulls were found in Antarctica. They were the first human remains found there. The skulls that were found were just like the elongated skulls found in Egypt and Peru. This practice of stretching the human skull is a common thing among African and South American civilizations which means that there may have been contact between extremely ancient people from all three continents meaning that at one time Antarctica's climate was once habitable by humans and those humans traveled across the ocean. 90% of all meteorites found on Earth are found in Antarctica. There have been over 10,000 meteorites found there, some of them being over 700,000 years old. One meteorite that hit Earth in 2002, which was found in 2015, was found to come directly from the planet Mars. The meteorite contained fossilized remains of Martian microbes. Dinosaur fossils have also been in Antarctica dating to 71 million years ago. This means that dinosaurs lived there from 70 to 200 million years ago. Scientists have said that Antarctica wasn't only warmer during that time, but it was also located in the southwestern part of the Pacific Ocean. In 2009, scientists found the remains of an animal much like that of a house cat, except that it laid eggs. It was a distant relative of modern mammals. It lived over 250 million years ago. This next story I want to talk about is a little different than, than what scientists have found. It has to do with a man named Admiral Byrd. Admiral Byrd was one of the most highly decorated officers in the history of the United States Navy. He is probably the only individual to receive the Medal of Honor, Navy Cross, Distinguished Flying Cross, and the Silver Life Saving Medal. 
He also was one of a very few individuals to receive all three Antarctic Expedition Medals issued for expeditions prior to the Second World War. In Operation Deep Freeze from 1955 to 1956, as part of the multinational collaboration for the International Geophysical Year, Byrd was appointed as officer in charge of the United States Navy Operation Deep Freeze in 1955, which established permanent Antarctic bases in McMurdo Sound, the Bay of Wales, and the South Pole. This was Byrd's last trip to Antarctica and marked the beginning of a permanent United States military presence in Antarctica. Byrd spent only one week there and started his return to the United States on February 3, 1956. During Admiral Byrd's famous flight across the South Pole, he says he saw a giant hole in the center of Antarctica and that he flew inside. Admiral Byrd returned to his unit with a story that described a giant hole in the center of Antarctica with smaller holes in and around it. Byrd claimed that once he got within a few miles of the massive hole, he lost control of his aircraft and it seemed to have been being controlled remotely by an unknown source. His aircraft then flew into the hole and was approaching an area too small to land when his aircraft slowed to speeds which would make it impossible to fly. His plane landed gently on a small platform and upon exiting his plane, Bird reported a whole other world beneath the ice. He said it was warm and there were people living down there, an entire community. He made claims that while he was down there, other aircraft which were unknown in origin were entering and leaving through the same hole that he came through along with the surrounding smaller holes. A man Bird described as their leader approached him and told Bird to warn the world about things like global warming and the dangers of nuclear weapons. After the conversation was over, Bird was instructed to re-enter his aircraft and he left the same way he came in. And now a quick break for a word from our sponsors. When my grandfather got sick, it was the only thing that got him through the day. I know it was illegal, but it really helped. There's a wonder drug that can take the place of food, make the coward brave, the silent eloquent, and render the sufferer insensitive to pain. 500,000 citizens are arrested each year for simple possession. During the next election, end the prohibition, vote yes on Proposition 208, and legalize medical cocaine. You want to up your running game? Run like a caveman! Finally, shoes are getting back to nature. Toe shoes. You were born barefoot, your ancestors ran barefoot. And now, toe shoes allow you to run barefoot but with shoes that look like feet. Slightly deformed, web-toed, brightly colored feet. Just like our ancestors that died at 25 of rickets. They're like wearing no shoes at all, as nature intended. Toe shoes. They're shoes for toes and twats. Hey, be sure to get out there and grab your medical cocaine and toe shoes to be a complete jackass if you want to be <laughs> and back to the show in the year 1947 Admiral Richard E. Byrd made a flight into the south polar region of the world before he started on the venture Byrd made a mysterious statement I'd like to see that land beyond the pole that area beyond the pole in the center of the great unknown in the cockpit of his plane was a powerful two-way radio. 
When Bird and his scientific companions took off from their base at the South Pole, they managed to fly 1,700 miles beyond it. That's when the radio in Bird's plane was put into use to report something utterly incredible. There was a strange great valley below them. For un some unknown reason, the valley Bird saw was not ice covered as it should have been in the frigid Antarctic. It was green and luxuriant. There were mountains with thick forests of trees on them. There was lush grass and underbrush. Most amazing, a huge animal was observed moving through the underbrush. In a land of ice, snow, and almost perpetual deep freeze, Bird had discovered a strange great valley just beyond the South Pole, where the weather temperature, believe it or not, was evidently something like 75 degrees. Suddenly, the press and radio were hushed up. After the first brief messages leaked through the, to the newspapers, no further confirmation of the big discovery was given. I believe that Bird came upon the location of a great doorway or entrance leading deep into the unknown interior of the Earth. The Great Door at the South Pole region. Having found that, I believe he guessed no longer. He then knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this secret door must open into the cavern world. He would go there and find out, see for himself the wonder and everlasting mystery of the unknown. On April 5, 1955, Admiral Richard E. Byrd was commissioned by the United States Navy to explore the South Pole. One year later, from the South Pole base, the U.S. Navy flew beyond the pole to a distance of 2,300 miles. Byrd's report on March 13th when he returned from the South Pole was, and I quote, The present expedition has opened up a vast new land. Frank Edwards, a serious author and deep student of the spacecraft phenomenon, wrote an article in the July 1955 issue of Fate magazine. I quote, In Admiral Richard Byrd's report of his first trip to Antarctic, his group discovered two large blue-green lakes of warm water in the very midst of that desolate expanse of eternal ice. There was no trace of any volcanic heat supply, in fact, there was no visible means which could explain the incongruous existence of warm water lakes in the ice cap of the Antarctic. Admiral Byrd made note of still another strange aspect of the lake. Alongside one of them, he wrote that there were long, straight black lines which resembled blast marks. End quote. Could these be like Project Ice Worm? Someone burying nuclear weapons within the ice? The Antarctic continent is big, estimated 6 million square miles of ice and snow. Results of the 1958 International Geophysical Year of Exploration indicate that the Earth is covered with 40% more ice than we previously had estimated. Also, that Antarctica may be divided. Science Newsletter for January 17, 1959 carried this startling piece of information. And I quote, Several discoveries increase the possibility that Antarctica may be divided in two. These include discovery of sub-sea level trough trending inland from Ellsworth Station, another trough on the other side of the continent trending inland from Ross Sea, and a deep basin in Mary Bird Land." End quote. If Antarctica is divided, what does that mean? That there is another portion of that continent that nobody is telling us about? Does it mean that there is another continent entirely? A new land area? 
in some unexplored sea? If so, important information obviously has been withheld from the public. On February 16, 1950, four long years after Byrd's trip to the South Pole, this article was released to the newspapers. Sky mystery over Alaska confirmed. Colorado Springs. A spokesperson for the North American Air Defense Command here confirmed that unidentified flying objects were observed in the skies over Alaska early yesterday, February 16, 1960. I quote, the spokesman said at 3 a.m. yesterday, the Combat Operations Center of NORAD received a report from Northerly Observation Post that two objects were moving in opposite directions across Alaska. One of the objects was reported in the vicinity of Nome. It appeared to be moving slowly in a north northeasterly direction. The object disappeared without a trace and without giving any indication of its size. Is there some connection with the land beyond the pole and the tic-tac UFOs that we're seeing today? Could Admiral Byrd be making this stuff up? Could he just be wanting fame and, and fortune along with his stellar military career? I don't think so. He was a well-respected man with a lot to lose. And I don't think a man like that would come back with some strange story about lush land down in Antarctica. You know, with every conspiracy theory that I read and learn about, I always have a very skeptical mind about it. And I've found that with every conspiracy story that I find, there's always a kernel of truth to it. A group of facts around which the legend was built. And if this has even the smallest amount of truth to it, then what does that mean as far as what Antarctica really is? Another report of possible aerial phenomenon spotted down around Antarctica would be in, on March 12, 1950 when Commander Orego and his men had spotted a fleet of round aerial machines circling their Antarctic base. A portion of the Chilean officer's report told this amazing story, and I quote, During the bright Antarctic night, we saw flying saucers, one above the other, turning at tremendous speeds. We have photographs to prove what we saw. End quote. So why is it that every time a sighting like this is made and it gets leaked to the public, the government decides to cover it up? Do you think it's their attempt to draw attention away from some other earth-shattering evidence of something else? Like they're using UFOs as a, I don't know, like a, a decoy as to something bigger that they found down in Antarctica? Because with the recent UFO sightings and the government openly admitting they don't know what they are and releasing videos, it's like I said in the last episode that the government wouldn't have released that if they didn't want the public to know about it. There must be some sort of motive for them for us to pay attention to that 
and learn about it and it could possibly be a decoy to what's actually going on. Ray Palmer, who was a writer and editor of such magazines as Amazing Stories, Fate, and Search, would never commit himself to the extraterrestrial explanation for UFOs that had been so predominant by the 1950s. Instead of looking to the heavens for flying saucers, Palmer looked downwards into the earth as a possible point of origin. In the December 1959 issue of Search, Palmer wrote, We have amassed a large file of evidence to prove that the flying saucers are native to the planet Earth and originate from the hollow interior by way of openings in the North and South Poles. Theodore Fitch was another writer who agreed with Palmer's thesis. In his book, Our Paradise Inside the Earth, Fitch, write, Fitch writes, UFO occupants who come to us in flying saucers and who pose to be visitors from other planets are really members of an advanced civilization in the interior of the Earth who have important reasons for keeping their true place of origin secret, for which reason they purposely foster the false belief that they come from other planets. End quote. Those who embrace the extraterrestrial hypothesis of UFOs and find it easy to scoff at the idea that UFOs and their occupants could originate from yet to be explored realm beneath our feet. Considering the ancient worldwide traditions that say the inner earth exists and is populated by a rich variety of intelligent races, it is no more difficult to imagine that some UFOs could be from right here on planet earth than it is to imagine them traveling thousands of light years from some far distant planet. The next time someone says to keep your eyes to the skies, perhaps you should also spend a little time looking downwards. For as above, so below. And once again, a word from our sponsors. One quick announcement. If anyone's interested in, in uh, seeing pictures or looking into this further or reading my weekly news report, they can go to patreon.com backslash ties trust that's t-y-s-t-r-u-s-t to read more i'll be updating it every week and every episode will have its own little links and pictures and and more information about the episode along with the weekly news report which i will post every friday at midnight uh, go check it out. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. That's patreon.com backslash ties trust. T-Y-S-T-R-U-S-T. Are you still stuck on 4G? Wiz Wireless is the only network offering incredible 9G technology. Yes, that's the 9th generation featuring the new drone. It's significantly better than the iFruit phone. How do we know that? Because we blatantly ripped off their design and improved a couple of irrelevant features. 9G, discover your future. You can't be the best if you aren't doing eight things at once on a tiny screen. The drone from Wiz wireless together we're making your life nine times better that's the promise of the ninth generation
What is DNA? How old is the Earth? What's holding me back? Are we all from the same tree? Why is science so confusing? How many women can I lie with? Can I pay money and have all of life's answers? Yes. 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 We speak 160 languages on six continents, including Antarctica. Kiflam. We are the Epsilon Program. Hey, that Epsilon program sounds legit. We should, uh, well, I encourage you to go check it out. It sounds awesome, like Scientology. That type of awesome. And now, back to our show. The following is a reading directly from Admiral Byrd's personal flight log and diary. The logs go as follows. The exploration flight over the North Pole. I must write this diary in secrecy, in obscurity. It concerns my Arctic flight of the 19th day of February in the year of 1947. There comes a time when the rationality of men must fade into insignificance and one must accept the inevitability of the truth. I am not at liberty to disclose the following documentation at this writing. Perhaps it shall never see the light of public scrutiny, but I must do my duty and record here for all to read one day. In a world of greed and exploitation of certain mankind can no longer suppress that which is the truth. Flight Log, Base Camp Arctic, February 19, 1947. 0600 hours. All preparations are complete for our flight northward and we are airborne with fuel tanks at 0610 hours. 0730 hours. Radio check with base camp. All is well and radio reception is normal. 0800 hours. Slight turbulence noted from easterly direction at altitude of 2321 feet. 081500 hours. Radio check with base camp. Situation normal. 0900 hours. Vast ice and snow below. No coloration of yellowish nature and dispersed in a linear pattern. Altering course for a better examination of this color pattern below. Note reddish or purple color also. 0910 hours. Both magnetic and gyro compasses beginning to gyrate and wobble. We are unable to hold our heading by instrumentation. The controls are seemingly slow to respond and have sluggish quality, but there is no indication of icing. 0949 hours. In the distance is what appears to be mountains. 29 minutes elapsed flight time from the first sighting of the mountains, it is no illusion. They are mountains and consisting of a small range that I've never seen before. 1000 hours. We are crossing over the small mountain range and still proceeding northward as best as can be ascertained. Beyond the mountain range is what appears to be a valley with a small river or stream running through the center portion. Something is definitely wrong. To the port side are great forests growing on the mountain slopes. Our navigation instruments are still spinning. The gyroscope is oscillating back and forth. 100500 hours. I cannot see the sun anymore. 
1030 hours. Encountering more rolling hill hills now. The external temperature indicator reads 74 degrees Fahrenheit. Radio is not functioning. 1130 hours. Countryside below is more level and normal. Ahead we spot what seems to be a city. Aircraft seems light and oddly buoyant. The controls refuse to respond. Off our port and starboard wings are a strange type of aircraft. They are closing rapidly alongside. They are disc shaped and have a radiant quality to them. They are close enough now to see the markings on them. The, the controls will not respond. 113500 hours. The engines of our plane have stopped running. The aircraft is under some strange control and is now turning itself. 114000 hours. The plane shudders slightly and begins a descent as though caught in some great unseen elevator. I hear now a voice ordering me by name to open the cargo door. I comply. Log entry, March 11th, 1947. I have just attended a staff meeting at the Pentagon. I have stated fully my discovery and the message from the underground contact. The president has been advised. I am now detained for several hours. I am interviewed intently by top security forces and a medical team. I am placed under strict control via the national security provisions of this United States of America. I am ordered to remain silent in regard to all that I have learned on the behalf of humanity. Log Entry December 30th, 1956 Final Entry These last few years elapsed since 1947 have not been kind. I now make my final entry into this singular diary. In closing, I must state that I have faithfully kept this matter secret as directed all these years. It has been completely against my values of moral right. Now I seem to sense the long night coming on and this secret will not die with me. But as all truth shall, it will triumph and so it shall. This can be the only hope for mankind. I have seen the truth and it has quickened my spirit and has set me free. I have done my duty toward the monstrous military industrial complex. Now, the long night begins to approach, but there shall be no end. Just as the long night of the Arctic ends, the brilliant sunshine of truth shall come again, and those who are of darkness shall fall in its light. For I have seen that land beyond the pole, that center of the great unknown. End log. Admiral Richard E. Byrd, United States Navy, 24 December, 1956. Let me just clarify that uh, conspiracies such as the Flat Earth and even some of the Inner Earth theories that people have come up with are not something that I subscribe to because there's not much evidence supporting those claims. But it does make you wonder and think, and it's fun to, to wonder sometimes about if it was true. One thing is for sure is that multiple ancient civilizations 
over thousands of years in, in different areas of the world where they didn't have any contact with each other share a lot of the same stories about spiritual beings that came down from the sky and you know evil beings that lived under the earth and then with this evidence of human skulls being found in Antarctica would suggest that you know an ancient civilization made it there a long time ago or that humans colonized Antarctica millions of years ago when the land on earth was one giant continent called Pangaea which would place Antarctica somewhere in the South Pacific Ocean in a warm climate. When I think about these ancient civilizations and the stories that they told that we're learning about currently, I have to wonder how civilizations from different parts of the world with zero contact came up with the same exact stories about how they came to be, about visitors coming to help them and show them new technologies and share with them knowledge about the universe. You know, for example, the Egyptians had images carved into their walls of the sun and nine circles surrounding the sun which can be interpreted as the nine planets when it was nine planets now that now that their pluto's not included it's only eight but but when i see things like that and i read about the the ancient egyptians who supposedly were around four thousand years ago knew that there were nine planets orbiting the sun I have to wonder how they came upon that knowledge because for instance for someone to see Pluto you would have to have a very very powerful telescope one from today and so as far as we know Egyptians didn't have telescopes like that 4,000 years ago and there's no way a human being could see a planet like Pluto or any planet for that matter with the naked eye now you're gonna say that you can see like Saturn with the naked eye but if you didn't know it was Saturn and you were looking up at the night sky and you just you saw the little blip of light there would you really be able to to discern whether or not that was a planet or just another you know star in the sky no, you wouldn't be able to tell that it was a giant sphere and that it was orbiting the sun just like we are. And there's also stories of ancient people reporting of going up into the heavens in these crafts and they describe the earth as being like a convex curvature they, they describe the curvature of the earth as they go higher and higher and so as as far as we know as well there were some people that thought that the earth was flat less than a hundred years ago so how could ancient civilizations this old such as the 
you know, G Egyptians know that the earth was had a curvature to it, that it was a sphere. How could they have carved nine planets on the wall surrounding the sun and know that there are nine of them, that they were spheres, and that they orbited the sun without some sort of advanced technology or information given to them by an outside source? I'm not saying that it must be extraterrestrials who provided this information. It's like I said in the last episode. I don't think that aliens care about Earth in any way. I think that odds are if they have came across Earth, if they do exist and they have came across Earth, that they just kept moving in the same way we would if we saw an anthill. You know, we see it, but we're not going to stop and try to teach it math and advanced physics because there's no point. They'll never grasp it. So if there's an, an, an advanced alien race traveling the universe, just the fact that they have the technology to travel the universe would infer that, that they're so much farther advanced than us. Why would they be interested in an anthill that they just come across, you know? And it's not like Earth is some rare planet in the universe either. It, recent discoveries have found that there are literally billions of Earth-like planets within our galaxy with water and a, a warm environment and, and conditions which would support life as we know it. So how are they coming across this information if not from extraterrestrials coming from outside? Could it be that there is an ancient human race or there was an ancient human race that was subterranean that lived underground and is it possible that they could still be there today you know influencing our advancements over time could it be that these tic tac ufos that are witnessed all around the earth every month now could it be that they come from there could it be that the u.s government and the major world powers know about this place know about these people that live under the ground and believe me I realize how crazy this much sound to people who haven't looked into this the thing about this story which makes it so believable yet unbelievable at the same time is that knowledge about Antarctica is extremely filtered and limited to the very few scientists who have actually gone down there the very few explorers that flew down there that had the opportunity and the privilege to go down there and look around and when one of those people like Admiral Byrd returns with such a strange story you have to wonder what's actually going on. Why would a man like that risk his entire career and reputation over a lie that was so outlandish at the time 
why would he do that? Would he do it for fame, or it wouldn't even give him a good fame back then? That would be he was cast out in a way. It was it became a joke among other pilots. I just don't see any motive for him to do that. He didn't write any books shortly after about it. He didn't. He never talked about it again. He did his report, and then it was just covered up. Which seems to be a, a common theme among strange occurrences on Earth in the U.S. government. Except recently, when they released the Tic Tac UFO videos. Either way, whether the Tic Tac UFOs are from another galaxy or another solar system, or they're from under the ground of an ancient human race that we don't know about, or some other explanation, the fact is, is that the public doesn't know. I don't know for sure where they came from, what they are, or what they want. But based on evidence provided by the U.S. government, a entity that we're supposed to trust and respect, they exist. And it's not some radar anomaly or weather condition creating these things. They're physical crafts made of material unknown that are conducting maneuvers impossible to our standards today. If you don't wonder about what they are and you don't just think about it a little bit, then I'd say you need to open up your mind a little and get past this this stigma of conspiracy and see that something else is going on here and reality as we know it is about to change drastically this has been in Tyler we trust and I've been your host Mr. Tyler. Mr. Tyler, out. This has been a presentation by Lose LLC Productions.